Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. This morning, we'll be hearing God's Word from John chapter 4, verses 27 to 45. Um, and to understand this, you have to realize uh, that this is the second half of a story that's just, it's kind of a long story, so I cut it in half. And we talked about the first half of this last week. So the beginning of this story is that Jesus was passing through Samaria and he engaged in conversation with the woman, uh, who we don't get her name, but she is known either as the woman of Samaria or the woman at the well, uh, because he offered to her living water. And she was intrigued by this and they have this fascinating back and forth where Jesus basically says to her that he is the only true source of life. And she has lived a, a, a life of sin, uh, a life of shame. And so she's a little bit hesitant to engage with Jesus, but she's intrigued by what he's offering. And so we, we left it last week with Jesus declaring to her that he is the Messiah who is expected, that he is really the only one who has the words of truth, the words of true life, and that she really does need to put her faith in him and obey him. And so we were a little bit uncertain last week of what she was going to do with this. We're going to see this week that she jumped in and grabbed hold. And so this is a beautiful story of what happens when people meet Jesus. So I'll read from John chapter 4, verses 27 to 45. Kids, make sure you're, if you can read, you can follow along on flipping over his worship, the worship guide where the Bible reading is from. And there's some blanks to fill out there. If you can't read... What I want you to try to remember is the main thing about God. What is the main thing about God? So listen for that, even if you can't read along. This is John chapter 4, verses, one to, uh, verses 27 to 45. Oh, that's not verse 27. All right. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. 
For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, that you would show us what it means for us today. We pray this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, that it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children, what do I have here? You know what this is? It's a lunchbox. You may say see Superman, but this is a lunchbox. And so the question to think about is we're talking about food here. What do you find in a lunchbox? Food. When I was a high school teacher, because I used to be a high school teacher before I became a pastor, every day I would take a lunchbox kind of like this. I, truthfully, it wasn't the Superman lunchbox, but it should have been. Um, but I would take a lunchbox kind of like this with me to school, and I have a long morning working hard, teaching the, the, the children. They were high schoolers, but trust me, children. Um, teaching the children, and I would be tired, and then it would get to lunchtime, and they would all go to lunch, and I would go and go into the room with the other teachers, and we would pull out our lunch boxes. And in here we found sustenance. We found food to, to give us energy, to give us strength. And pretty much every day I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and an apple, and a little bit of other stuff, bag of chips and some water, and it would give me strength. It was good, solid food. It's what we want, right? Food to give us energy, food to make us whole. But here's the problem. Do you always want the food that's in the lunchbox? No, what do you want instead? Sometimes you want other food. You want like pizza or fast food. You want McDonald's. Maybe you just want dessert all the time. A little bit of Dairy Queen, tastes real good. But here's the problem. What happens if you just eat McDonald's and Dairy Queen? You are not healthy. It does not go well. They have their place, right? They taste good for a while. But this is our main problem. Our main problem is that we go after the wrong food. We don't get the good food out of the lunchbox. What's the good food out of the lunchbox? What is Jesus telling us here? What does he say about food? His disciples come to him and they're like, Jesus, have some, have some food. You're hungry, right? It's like, I have food that you know nothing about. And it goes way over their head. They're like, Jesus, we don't have any idea what you're talking about. But here's what he's saying. And this is really the main truth about God that Jesus is telling here. The main truth about God is that God's work is the best food. God's work is the best food. The true nourishment the true energy, the true making us feel good, the true satisfying our hunger does not come from fast food. It does not come from dessert all the time. It is real solid food. It is work that God has given us to do. But that is what makes us feel full. And we find ourselves going, the, the, we find ourselves going in all kinds of different directions. We look for cheap food. We look for food that tastes good in the moment. We look for money. We look for stuff. We look for people to like us. We look to be entertained. We look to make our lives easy, to not have problems. But what Jesus is telling us this morning is that the real food, 
comes from God's work. If we want deep satisfaction, the satisfaction of a good meal, a well-cooked meal, a Thanksgiving feast, it comes from doing the work of God. So what is, what is the work that God has given? What is the work that he has given us to do? What's the main thing we need to do? If the main truth about God is that God's work is the best food, what do we do? Of course, we need to do God's work. That's, that's the main thing we need to do. We need to do the work he has given us. And fundamentally, the work that God has given us is to spread his love, to spread his kingdom all around the world. See, this is the work that God gave his people from the beginning. From the very beginning, God said to Adam and Eve when he made them in the Garden of Eden, he said, fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the whole world with the image of God. Fill, God, fill the whole world with God's love, with God's kindness, with God's truth. Fill the world with these things. He did it again when he gave his mission to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Why? so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. Fill the whole world with God's blessing. This is God's work. And this is what we see here in John chapter 4. We see Jesus, the main thing is he's telling his disciples, hey, I don't, I don't need to eat right now because I have God's food. I have the work, I have the, fil the fulfillment of doing God's work. But we also see a beautiful example of what it means to do God's work to share God's love, to share God's kingdom, to share the knowledge of God with the people around us. So we see here really three ways that we do that. Three ways that we share God's love and his kingdom with the people around us. The first is that we must tell our story. The second is that we must play our part. And the third is that we must meet Jesus for ourselves. We tell our story, we play our part, we meet Jesus for ourselves. We see the telling our story in verses 29 and 39. The woman uh, said to, uh, the, the woman said when she left Jesus, she went away into the town, she said, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Come see a man, he told me all that, that was her story. I met Jesus. He told me all, he knows everything about me. And we see it again in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This woman, she met Jesus. She got a taste of his living water. And then she went and started carrying that out to find more nourishment, more fulfillment, more satisfaction. She met Jesus. She went and told people. She said, look, Jesus this man knows everything about me. Now, here's what she didn't say explicitly, but we know because she went and told people and was excited about it. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did, and he still loved me. He did not condemn me. He did not leave me in my shame, in my guilt. But instead, he called me to himself. He offered me living water. We only get a few words here in John, but we know, we know for sure that she was telling more of the story of who Jesus was. Come on and see this man. He's a gracious man. We saw last week in that con his conversation with her that he was full of grace and truth. So what does this mean for us? We must, we must tell the story. 
We're called to tell the story of what God has done for us. Of course, if we're going to tell other people what God has done for us, first we have to reflect and realize what God has done for us. And we all come from different places. Some of us are very aware of what God has done for us. We know that we were on the wrong path and we were doing bad things and God pulled us away from that. And we know that we have sinned, we have disobeyed, and that God showed us grace and love and mercy in the middle of that. Others of us, maybe if you've grown up in the church and you've never really wandered away from God and you kind of feel like you've been following God your whole life, sometimes it's harder to say, what has God done for me? So you have to think and reflect, what has God done for me? And as I look, so I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I grew up in the church. I grew up, I went off to college and I got involved in Christian fellowship. I felt a call to go into pastoral ministry. I taught, I jo we joined a church right away after I graduated, after we got married. I went off, I became a pastor. And yet when I look back, what I can see, what is the story? What has God done for me? I have, <laughs> God has done so much of opening things up and guiding my steps. I think about all the times that I did not know what to do and all the decisions that I could have made differently, all the decisions that I really did. I, we do not make all the right decisions. We do not manage our money perfectly. We do not always go and share with people how we should. We do not love each other perfectly. This is me, we, me and Suzanne is who I'm talking about in the we here. Uh, not, not just generally, I'm talking specifically. We don't do these things all right, and yet God has brought us from place to place. Sometimes it's by closing doors and opening up other doors. Sometimes it's by not putting any doors. One of the best things that happened in my life early on was that I got to spend a few years teaching high school where I used a lunchbox kind of like this one. But the only reason I was able to do that is because there weren't a lot of other options. I really didn't know what to do when I graduated from college. My sweet wife had just moved across the country to be near me. It did not seem wise for us to pack up and go across the country again. I couldn't find a job in a church. I needed a job. So I started teaching high school math and it was a great experience. And God changed and shaped me through that experience teaching math in, in inner city Los Angeles, which is an interesting place to teach math. Um, but he did a lot for me during those times. He brought me, not only did he open my eyes to a challenging situation that many of my students faced, he brought me into this denomination that our church is a part of, that I wouldn't necessarily have ended up in otherwise. He gave me a place, then he called me to minister and lead churches in. I did not make that decision. God did that for me. Even when I, when I fall, when I get angry, when I get selfish, I can see his grace and love. I see it through the love of my family members who continue to care for me and forgive me. I see it through the love of people in our church community who, who put up with me and continue to care with me even when I have lots of crazy ideas that I can't implement, that I can't get everything done. Even when I fail to love in the way that I should, he shows me grace through his people. That's what God has done for me. What has God done for you? What is your story? Is a story that you can tell that you can share with others to reflect on that and say, yeah, this is what God has done for me. And the second thing we see here, and that may say, you may say that like, well, what, is, what good does that do? Don't I need to do more than just tell my story? But you know, this woman didn't really do more than just tell her story. She just told the story, she said, come and see. 
Because we see in verses 36 to 38 that we all must play our part. It's fascinating. Jesus goes into actually a fair amount of detail here. About already the one who reaps, this is verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you've entered into their labor. Now you may be hearing this and you may be hearing sowing and reaping. You may have been saying, I don't even know what sowing and reaping are. Jesus is talking about farming, which they were probably more familiar back then than some of us are today. But the sower is the one who plants the seeds. Plants the seeds, waters them, cares for them. The reaper is the one who comes and gathers the fruit, the grain, the harvest. He gathers it in. It's a lot of work to get from a seed to an actual fruit or grain or whatever you're, you're planting. And what Jesus is saying here is that in God's kingdom, in our work in God's kingdom of sharing God's love, of sharing God's truth, of his grace with other people, we don't have to do it all. We're not doing the whole thing. We have to play our part. Right now, he's telling his disciples, hey, there are people who are ready. They have been prepared. They are ready to put their faith in me. They have been prepared by the history of their people, of God's faithfulness to their people. They've been prepared by the messages of the prophets, of God's word that was there, of the religious traditions. They are ready for a Messiah to come. You just go and tell them the kingdom of God has come and they're going to they're gonna jump on that. You, don't, you get to reap, you get to see people put their faith in Jesus, see people join the new community that were prepared by somebody else. But he's also saying in the bigger picture, some people have different roles. For us today, some of us get to do that. We meet somebody who has, been, has a long time that they have, God has been at work in their life and we get to see them come to a new expression of that faith. Come to join a church community. Come to find a new relationship with Jesus. Others of us may be called to plant the seeds, to share with people what we have done and not see anything come from it. Say, hey, God has done this in my life. And like, all right, that's nice. Just planting the seed. Everybody plays their part because we trust that God is at work. I've spent a, um, I spent a fair amount of time over the past few days watching high school volleyball because Nathan's volleyball team was in the playoffs. Um, and they, uh, <laughs> and volleyball, if you've never watched good volleyball, you really should, because there's six people on the court, but the way that they move is amazing. They have to start out in fixed positions by the, the rotation, the rules that are set. But as soon as the ball's hit, they're all going a different direction. And the ball comes back to their side and somebody hits and everybody's running this way and that. And I'm sure Nathan could explain it, but I can't figure out what they're all doing but they all have a part to play. They all know their role. And if everybody runs to hit the ball off the ground, it's not gonna work. Instead, some people run over here to the net knowing that their teammate is gonna put the ball right up there for them. But what's funny is, you know, they send three of them running at the net at the same time. Not everybody's gonna get to hit the ball, but everybody is prepared. Everybody knows their part. Everybody knows where they're supposed to play. Now, sometimes the ball goes way over here, and even if it's not their part, somebody's just got to die for it. Somebody's got to do something. We have our roles to play, but we're not completely locked into them. Sometimes you just got to do what God has put in front of you. So you may say, well, my role 
is to tell people my story. I can't, but I can't really explain the Bible. I can't teach it to them. That's somebody else's job. And for the most part, that works great. Sometimes you may have an opportunity that it's actually no, it's your job now to explain the Bible to somebody. And you just take that. Others of you may say, I, I only speak to people when they get here to church. I don't go out there and talk to people who are somewhere else. I don't, that's, that's weird for me. But someday you may take that role too. It's fine that you have your roles that you feel more comfortable with. You should seek that, what God is calling you to do. But also be ready to step out and take the dive for whatever part God calls you to play in the moment. We must all play our part. But probably the most important part of this passage, the most important thing that we need to do is that we must meet Jesus for ourselves. I love verse 42. When the people from the town come, they invite Jesus to stay, they learn from him, and they said to the woman, verse 42, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's meet Jesus for ourselves. You may be sitting here this morning hearing me talk about, you know, tell people the story, participate in the work of God. You may be thinking, I don't, I don't, even know, I don't know what you're talking about. This is not, I don't even know if I believe this stuff. I'm not actually, I'm not really a Christian. I'm, I'm just here. I, there's something here. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something here. But this is your chance to meet Jesus for yourself. You can meet Jesus by coming and participating in worship, even if you don't fully understand. You can meet Jesus for yourself by looking at the word, by reading the Bible, trying to understand it for yourself. One of the things we do from time to time here is a, a, a course, a seven-week course called Christianity Explored. One of the beautiful things about Christianity Explored is it's a chance to meet Jesus for yourself. To come, it's, it's well done. There's some videos to watch with a, a good Bible teacher who explains things well. There's some discussion questions. It's designed for people who don't necessarily know much about the Bible, who really aren't sure if they're Christians or not. Or maybe they know for sure that they're not Christians, but want to learn more about it. But it's a chance to meet Jesus for yourself, to see him, to come and meet him, to spend two days with him and say, oh, oh, this is who Jesus is. And my hope is that you would take that and that after that you would say, no, I have met Jesus for myself. I see now that he is savior of the world. For those of you who do know Jesus, who have put your faith in him, then the call for us is to introduce other people to meet Jesus for themselves, to invite people to be around the church community, to see the hands and feet of Jesus, Jesus' people loving one another in real and tangible ways, to invite people to come and check out a worship service, to come and participate in a Christianity Explored course, just as this woman did. Come and see. Come and see the man who has changed me. How do we do all this? How do we go and do the work that God has called us to do? How do we go and tell our stories, play our part, meet Jesus for ourselves? We can't forget the starting point. We say the main thing about God, the main thing about God is that this is good food, real food, solid food. And so when we think this seems overwhelming, how can we actually do this? This seems hard, this seems scary. Say, this is the food that God gives. To actually do this work, he will sustain us in that. If you've never met Jesus, it is the best food. It is grace. It is forgiveness for your sins. It is healing for your hearts. If you know Jesus, 
But you need to be encouraged. You need to go and participate in his work. Know that it is good food. It is solid. He will sustain you in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you that you give us the work of participating in your kingdom, of sharing your truth, your love, your grace with the world, with those whom we love, with those whom we haven't even met yet. We pray that you would strengthen and sustain us for this work each and every day this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.